Hey everyone, how you doing? This is Amon Green, Green Bay Packers all-time leading rusher, and you're listening to The Average Cheese, hosted by Dell and Todd, two lifelong Packer fans talking about their favorite team, the 13-time champion, Green Bay Packers. Go Pack Go! So welcome to episode 159 of the Average Chiefs Podcast. It's the whole family on Victory Monday. Thanks to Rhonda and the folks at Arnold Management. Thanks to Dwight at DDGCustoms.com. And thanks to Dan and the folks at Bob Anderson Builders. Peter, no number 59. So let's talk a little bit more because we do have more time to talk Packers playoff history. Said last week that we would need to save some Packers playoff history because we'd have plenty of weeks to talk about the Packers in the playoffs. And here we go. With the win, the Packers are now 37-25 and 25 in playoff games, which is a 59.7% winning percentage all-time. And that's third best of all franchises all-time, but behind just the Patriots and the 49ers. And it's really close in those top in those top three. I didn't work it out, but it could be that the Packers will jump the 49ers if and when they beat them this coming Saturday. And we touched on this last week. Packers have now won 37 playoff games, which equals the all-time record with, with the Patriots. And the Packers are now 12 and 17 on the road. And again, we talked about that last week. We didn't mention this, I don't think, last week, but this is the Packers' first road playoff win since they beat the, the Cowboys in the game that we did talk about last week, that famous Mason Crosby field goal, the Jared Cook catch on the sideline, etc. It was Packers' first road win in the playoffs since then. Packers are now 5-4 and all-time against the Cowboys in the playoffs. And the Packers have won three playoff games at AT&T Stadium with no losses. And that's more playoff wins at AT&T Stadium than the Cowboys have. Matt LaFleur is now 3-3 three and three in playoff games. Finally, a little bit of history. The 48 points that the Packers put up equals their all-time record from the 48 that they put up against Atlanta in that 2010 divisional playoff game, which was a fantastic performance back then against Atlanta. Perhaps Aaron Rodgers' best ever game, I think. But that's our little bit of Packers playoff history because we're going to save some more for next week. I did give our Twitter friends a little glimpse into what it looks like when Todd and I text each other back and forth. I screenshotted some of oh, our, no. oh, no. our texts. And put them out there for the world to see. So Todd also said, and then put something on Twitter about Jimmy Johnson absolutely melting down at halftime of the Packers-Cowboys game. That was a well-done tweet by you, by the way. Maybe you should Thank try you. that more often. I, I'm not in the social media department, but I could do an internship, perhaps. I could. Too busy being the special teams consultant. But he doesn't have time to do there, I have. I wear many hats. Well. Yes. <laughs> I wear many average cheese hats. I almost didn't know what I was watching for a second. He was that. I was like, someone get him his meds now. Stat. It's you like an IV. Off. Someone just jabs him in the arm with a needle. Yeah. You don't got just time for the pills, like Jimmy. Gronkowski sticks him in the neck. Whack. <laughs> that would have been awesome. But he was completely off the fucking rails, man. I get the guy's a passionate two-time Super Bowl Dallas Cowboy coach, 
But holy smokes, dude. He went fucking bananas. And then in the post game, he had nothing to say. I mean, it was almost like the was night like we're the... probably pulling us out and we're like, dude, shut the fuck up. Like you're <laughs> out of hand. Here, take this. This Jimmy, you forgot you forgot this before you went on. His medicine really kicked in by then. And, He's just and in a our zombie. Game, don't say <laughs> another fucking word. Like he couldn't Ugh. separate Jimmy Johnson, the announcer <laughs> the guy from former coach at all. Irvin had something weird too. He was like in his hotel balcony, angry and just fucking bitter. Too fucking bad, Mike. I tweeted it to you, retweeted it to you. The Rich Passaccia, the three seconds of Rich Passaccia walking out shouting, about them cowboys. He did. Play that. You're still fired, but yes, that was cool. Why? There's a lot of that going to be in this episode, I think. Yes, there is. Passaccia I... would be, that. that's number one. We'll get to a few more on, along the way. I spend way too much time on social media just living in the moment of all those great videos on Twitter today. It was worth the four hours I spent looking at a iPhone screen. It was great. All right, let's talk some football. So A.J. Dillon may be back now that he's had a little bit more time to rest. He put something on social media on Twitter that is like an anime of him like getting treatment. So maybe he'll be back. Is that a good or a bad thing, A.J. Dillon be, com- coming back? It's less of Aaron Jones, but in this game. So I thought in this game you needed Aaron Jones. Right against Dallas. It's a faster defense. I wonder if a little dose of AJ Dillon punching Boza in the face and Warner in the face a couple oh, times right. might not be a bad thing. Oh, yeah. I would welcome him back in a heartbeat. Hitting those game. fools in the mouth. Yeah. Isaiah McDuffie was back. And then did you see him go flying over, missing the tackle and hurting himself? I may not have picked up on that, but I saw him get hurt. We talked about it recently. I would say that he is on par with Devondre Campbell right now I was gonna say, and he was certainly in there on a number of snaps early as you say we talked about this ro- potential rotation and and certainly he was in there in place of Campbell on some of the early rundowns early in the game he only ended up with 16 snaps but that was because he went out injured JJ Anikbari likely torn ACL yeah Lafleur said something that. like I feel for the guy I hurt for the guy oh, shit I didn't see that not official at least i haven't seen it i looked before we went on i hadn't seen anything but that's the idea that he is gone for the rest of the playoffs and if it's an acl shit that takes him out maybe half the year next year at least they rotate four guys so who would who's gonna take his his spot yeah yeah what about brenton cox i guess so yeah yeah i mean he's next man up yep jair alexander hurt his ankle that was a weird play peter did you see him hurt his ankle he kind of like stumbled more than anything. It didn't even look like it was stuck in the ground. He played really well in this game. We can't afford to have him out at all. I was just going to say, and I saw a part of his warm-ups before the game, and he, he didn't look like he was favoring that ankle at all. I okay. mean, he looked like he could really move. You know, they were having him do the sprints, do the shuttles back and forth, lots of, you know, quick turns and whatever else, and he looked really good. I did not see Quay Walker go out of this game. So... I don't know where we're at with Quay Walker. He is an essential piece of this defense, especially coming up next week. They need him out there on the field for sure. Again, we record on a Monday, so it's hard to know what's going on with injuries. They don't have to re- you know, say anything about it until later in the week. The last slice is, and I put this in the injury part, but in the, the last slice is we will have an exciting announcement next week. 
I will just tease it here and not say another word, but we will have an exciting possible partnership announcement for next week. All right, let's move on to the games that were played this weekend. Did you watch Texans-Browns, Peter? I watched, yeah, I watched all the games, yeah. Todd and I were texting during the game. You know, Joe Flacco was a good story with a really bad ending. I almost predicted that one. I was just like, it's just going to be, the wheels are going to fall off at some point in a very Joe Flacco way. And that stuff happens, doesn't it? When, you know, when, when, when you've got a veteran quarterback like that, who's their fourth quarterback of the season, at that point, for the Browns, it's just a case of riding, riding him as long as you can. Yeah. Cause, cause... Oh, they were, for sure. Yeah, because what else um, are you going to do? Yeah. He was the best option by far. He got him to that spot. On the opposite side, CJ, CJ Stroud looked really, really, really good. You know, other than that there was that one long pass that he, that he missed by about a yard, he looked really good, and his numbers were spookily almost identical to Jordan Love's numbers from yesterday's game. Same attempt, same completions, just two yards different. Todd, any thoughts on Chiefs-Dolphins? I really wanted the Dolphins to win really bad. That was a tough environment, man. It was like, what was the temperature? It was something stupid, like 30 below at the windshield or something? Yeah, it was cold. Did you see how few people were in the stands? It was terrible. There was like half wow. the stadium was full of people. Lambo yeah. would be full. Oh, for sure. The only thing I, I my only takeaway is, is I I just finally like in this game when I was watching like Mahomes and the whole Kelsey thing and everything, I was just like, man, I'm so sick of this fucking team. I'm so sick of fucking Mahomes whining and bitching about everything and throwing his fucking helmet around, and then you got Kelsey and the fucking whole drama saga, Taylor Swift. They're just drama queens, and I'm I'm just tired. I, I really wish they would have lost. I thought that they were going to pull it out, which they did. But I think like they are definitely not the Chiefs team of the last few years. I think they're going to get bumped off in, in the next round. I hope they do, Hopefully. too. And I don't care about the Taylor Swift thing. What do they say? Something like, die the hero or eventually you'll become the villain? I feel like Patrick Mahomes, from being the like face of the league, everybody loves him, to he can't stop fucking crying about all the things. The unnecessary roughness penalty that was called against the Dolphins, the guy hit him in the thigh with his shoulder, and that was unnecessary roughness. I was ready to lose it on that. I can't believe it. Yes, I understand that you're trying to protect your quarterback and you're trying to protect Patrick Mahomes. I get it, to a certain extent, but it's still a football game. They have to be able to hit the quarterback because you know what happens? What happened later on where Mahomes pretended like he was going to slide and then he just kept on running because nobody wanted to fucking touch him. That's bullshit. That that's should a be big, a penalty. That's a great point. Because he did have that long run, and he yeah. pretended like he was going to slide on that play. I would have fucking leveled him. That's why I can't play in the NFL. There's a million reasons, including my body size and my lack of athleticism and the fact <laughs> that I'm 52 years old. But the other thing is, I would fucking level Patrick Mahomes. I don't care if he's sliding. Give me the penalty and the fine. He's like, you know, in the upper ech- echelon of protection, too. He gets yes. that little extra. He's it. He's it. Fucking, He's the top. Yeah. Anything about that game, Peter, before we move on to other games? No, I, I mean, it was a game that, because of the weather, pretty much panned out how I kind of expected it would. Uh, I, I was disapp- disappointed that the weather affected it that way because I thought it was going to be a real a, a kind of shootout. Me too. So that, you know, uh, so that kind of nullified the team speed of Miami, the Tyreek Hill, although he had that one big play. It kind of nullified that to, to a large extent. The next two guys, Goff and Stafford, would you say they have above-average arms, Peter? 
Stafford for sure, right? That's an easy one. Do you think Goff has a plus arm? Not like an A-plus arm, but a better-than-average arm. But not in the Stafford or Rogers or Mahomes League of Arms, but yeah, it's above average. I wonder if you can win consistently with a guy like Tua. I'm not saying Tua specifically, but like a Mac Jones, a guy with a below-average arm. Can you win big games, especially cold-weather games, because clearly he couldn't throw the ball downfield. Tua couldn't. I wonder if that's not a recipe. I, I don't know. I just I thought Tua can't throw it in this game. They have no chance of winning. Lions-Rams. My spirit animal, Eminem, was at the game. Is that what you call him? Yes. Spoiler. We're born on the same day. You know that, right? Oh. I, I don't know what a spirit animal is. I don't either, but it sounded good when it was coming out of my mouth. Eminem is exactly one year younger than me. He was born October 17th. I was also born on October 17th. So him and I have this thing. I was rooting when for we were in line. Detroit together, we should have went to his house. Yeah, we could have went to 8 Mile, saw like his old house. Yeah, don't ever go to Detroit. Anyway. Yeah, shithole. Anyway, Peter, what do you think about the Lions-Rams game? Again, it's another game that I think panned out pretty much how we expected when we talked about it last week. I mean, we both thought the Lions would win, but we thought it'd be a relatively close game, and it was. One team gets out on top early, and the other team can't quite catch up, and that's what that's what that game was. It wouldn't have surprised me if the Rams had won, but like like we said last week, I think we both expected the Lions to win at home. It looked like a shootout in the beginning. It really did. I thought it was going to be super high scoring, and then when I woke up in the morning, I saw the score. I was like, whoa, okay. Yeah, it slowed down quite a bit significantly you know good for the i mean i hate to say like good for the lions because obviously they're one of our rivals but you can't help but like dan campbell i'm on his train man i get where he's coming from i like what he says i I like what he's doing so good for him first playoff win in 32 years i think i saw that's right and i remember i think i think it was mike tarico that said on a tv broadcast that for the first time fans will be able to text about a lions playoff win texting hadn't been invented when the Lions last won a playoff game. Not to put you on the spot, Peter, but who was, who was quarterbacking for that last playoff one for the Lions? Is it Eric Kramer? 91 would that have been, right? If I'm doing the math right, 91? That is Eric Kramer. And I'm going to say now that would have been against the Cowboys. Yeah, I'm happy for them. And um, we go, I go on NFL Outdated, and there's a guy, a seventh letter, who's a Lions guy who I'm, I think is a super dude. So I was happy for him. I would have been happy for the Rams, too, because I am I like Matthew Stafford for whatever reason. Maybe it's because he toiled so long in Detroit and he couldn't get anywhere. I wouldn't have been unhappy either way. They made an interesting decision, didn't they, late in that game, trailing 24-23 to punt the ball away with about four or four and a half minutes or something left in that, in that game. The Rams, I think with no timeouts or maybe just one timeout left, they never got the ball back. There's one of those stuck between the devil and the deep blue sea there, whatever you do. Uh, the game that just ended, Buffalo beat Pittsburgh 31-17. Josh Allen, nice long run. Josh Allen is a quarterback built for cold weather. Them being at home and being in the crappy weather, I, I, it doesn't affect him as much as it affects others. Peter, thoughts on Steelers' bills? We thought the Bills would, would win, especially being at home. But I think what that does is, is that sets up a, a really interesting game next week with the Chiefs going to Buffalo. Yeah. That's going to be that's going to be a really, really interesting game. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen. Yeah, you'd Taylor think that would be an AFC championship. You, you got you to gotta, you gotta say Taylor Swift now when you say Chiefs. 
You got to say Josh Allen versus the Taylor Swifts. Yeah. The Swifties. Because that's going to be, follow? that's part of the fucking broadcast now. If you watch a fucking Chiefs game, is you yeah. got to watch fucking Taylor Swift up in the box. At least six times during the game. We should count. All right. What else? We're still waiting on Bucks and Eagles. That game is to be played very soon. Talk about Packers, Cowboys. The biggest game of the week. It might go down as definitely in the past decade as probably one of the greatest. I'm try- I was trying to think of a better upset. Just everything, kind of like one of those iconic games, iconic Green Bay Packer historic games. I was trying to think of the, like the last one that was. You know, I think it's been at least twenty years. Would it be and the definitely, last definitely Cowboys in game? the last decade? De- this is like a decade, all decade game for sure. It could span two, it could be even three, because this was like it's up there, way up there. Yeah, I mean, I I absolutely agree with Todd, and and, and you think was it the last Cowboys game? But I think this game was bigger and better because I think the expectations were, you know, nice. lower expectations going yeah. into the, to this one. So again, I, I mean, I'm going back to the to the 2010 game in Atlanta, the divisional playoff in, a, in Atlanta. The Packers were the number six seed, then knocked off the number one seed, put up 48 points like they did this weekend. And you think back to that game and you think of Tremont Williams' interception and the last play of the first half that he returned for a touchdown. I agree with Todd. So that's, you know, that's 13 years ago. So for me, it's at least the biggest single game performance, if you will, by the Packers since then. The biggest underdog performance, probably. And they haven't been underdogs in a very long time, usually, right? Especially in the playoffs. But holy shit. You put all those factors, plus the youngest team and like, you know how the season has gone. You you put into all those factors. I mean, it's 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 up there in the all time, all the great historic Packer games going way back. This one's gonna be mentioned. Well, yeah, because they're the first seven seed to win a playoff game, right? Yeah. So there's history there. Also, the youngest team to win, like you said, the youngest team to win a playoff game. There's that, and the Packers blew the doors off the Cowboys, right? Like it wasn't close. The score is closer because the Packers stopped trying. Let Dallas run down the field, keep it in the middle of the field, clock is our friend kind of thing. Does Jerry Jones fire Mike McCarthy this week? I put out a Twitter poll this morning asking if Mike McCarthy was fired, who is the next man up? I used Mike McCarthy terms. 55% of the people said that Bill Belichick should be the next head coach of the Cowboys. 7% said Ben Johnson. 31% said Mike Vrabel, and then I put an other in there, and someone said Jim Harbaugh. I can't remember who all the other others were. Todd, thoughts on that? You know, Mike McCarthy has got a legacy in Green Bay. You know, took us to a Super Bowl, won a Super Bowl. Obviously, his last, for me, his last two years left a bad taste in my mouth. But, but other than that, he's a great guy, right? Do I think he gets fired? No. I, I don't really. I, I don't think. I, I don't think Jerry Jones fires him. I, I think a lot of the players they would risk a lot of. A lot of the players are really bought into him and the system that they're running and everything to disrupt all of that. When you've already got like Mike McCarthy is one of the best coaches in in football. I Super agree Bowl with that. Coach, in my opinion, I don't think he will. So I'm with you that I don't think he should. Right. I think he will get fired because Jerry Jones is a fucking clown. Well, I think that's what's going to happen, and I don't think it's the right decision. I think it what it does is it runs Dallas down the line of bad teams. 
we're mm-hmm. going to make a knee jerk decision and fire a good coach because there's a lot of good candidates, but you already have a good coach. And, and I agree with that. The problem I, I isn't them. It's Prescott for me. Ah, let's talk about that in a second. Peter, go ahead. Okay. No, I was going to say, I agree with that. And you put it most succinctly there. I don't think he should either, but I fear that he will. So go ahead, Todd, with the Dak Prescott thing, because you and I are thinking on the same level right here. I've never had a lot of confidence in Dak Prescott. I like the guy and all that stuff, but at, like player-wise, is he one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL? Yes, but Dak Prescott has his his issues, man. I mean, it's he can't win the big games. You know, he's what, two and five as a playoff record? He's terrible I mean, he, in the playoffs. He, he, he doesn't win the big games. I, and I told you this week leading up to the game when we were texting back and forth, I said he's going to have a Dak Prescott game. I have a feeling if, if that happens, we have a chance to win the game. He had a Dak Prescott playoff game. I don't care what the what the stat line says about the 400 yard, like all that shit. I don't care. All that is garbage yards. That was playing catch up because you got your ass fucking handed to you. And of course, Jerry Jones is, you know, a dictator. So there's that. That's a little bit of an issue. Jerry Jones isn't going anywhere. They, they should retain Mike McCarthy and they should deal Prescott. All right, let's move on to PFF grades. Top PFF grades. We had four elite grades this week, which I guess should surprise no one with the game that they had on offense. Luke Musgrave at a 93.4, Romeo Dobbs 93.2, Jordan Love 92.5, Aaron Jones at an 89.7 PFF grade, and Zach Tom 83.9. On the negative side of thing, Royce Newman, why Royce Newman was even in the game for even three snaps, I don't know. He had a 37.5 Royce Newman, he gone. Uh, Sean Ryan didn't have a great game either, 42.5, but they did have him out there at the beginning of the game, which I thought was interesting. Tucker Craft, I didn't think he was that bad, but he had a 47.5, Patrick Taylor, 48.9, and Josh Myers a 53.0, which leads back to what we talked about with Hound's question last week, Peter. Todd, good, bad, and ugly trademark. We'll start with the good. What do you think? Wait, who's trademark? Um, What do you think was good this week? What wasn't? This was an amazing game considering the season. I mean, it was kind of a roller coaster season. The performance of the team, I was just like, holy shit. Like, you know, to go down and score right away, I thought was huge in this game. There's a host of of players you can sit here and talk about that played out of their minds. I I see in the notes that somebody put Zach Tom eliminated Micah Parsons. That was my biggest scare in this game. It was Micah Parsons. And I don't think his name was called the entire game. Yeah. I mean, so, so many great things. Aaron Jones continuing. What is he on? Like four games in a row? Yeah. Of 100 yards? His performance from coming back from injury in these last four weeks, they have to find a way to bring him back. That cemented him like long term. Like he's going to finish his career now in Green Bay just on his performance in the last four weeks. More to say. So I'll let you guys talk some more good. I don't want to steal it all. There's so much to go. Yeah, I agree agree with that. Starting with Aaron Jones, four consecutive. 100-plus yards rushing games. Not just the number, the manner in which he's picked up those yards. It's positive gain after positive gain after positive gain. It's 100 yards by getting 9 yards here, 11 yards here, 7 yards here, which is much more beneficial. You know, and going back to the game generally, if the Packers were going to win this game, the way that you might have expected the Packers to to have won this game was to stay close and maybe win by a field goal at the end, that kind of that kind of thing. Or Not by a field goal. Sorry? No, we would never win that field goal. <laughs> Drive down for a winning touchdown at the, at the end. That kind of close 
close game. I could never have envisaged, you know, the Packers jumping out to what the 27 nothing lead. But like Todd said, the statement was made. You know, they won the toss and decided to take the ball, which is unusual. Take the ball, drove it down the field, got the ball back, drove it down the field. You know, and and in doing that, you know, they started to make, even though it was early in the game, they started to to, to force the Cowboys to become more one-dimensional. Not completely, because it was early in the game, but forced the Cowboys to play from behind. And they talked about that quite a bit in the commentary of the game as well, how good the, the Cowboys are from when they're playing from in front. And clearly that was on Lafleur's mind when he when he decided to take that opening kickoff. The words almost fail me for how they jumped out and jumped on top of them so quickly and, and made it made it a game that was played on the Packers' terms. Not to keep going on, Jones. Another observation I had is, you know, within especially in this game, well, the last two games, but like in these past four weeks where he's rushed for over 100 yards, you can see a difference in how the entire offense operates. There is a fluidity. Guys are like zeroed in. Like it's, they start getting more confident because they're moving the ball down the field. I mean, it's, it's a whole different dynamic that he brings that was missing, you know, while he, while he's been injured for a lot of this year, having him back and the, the timing's right. And, and he just continued where he left off from week to week to week. It's, they have to find a way to bring him back. You know, although he's been there a few years now, he doesn't look like he's got old legs. He wasn't the featured back at, at the front end of his career. He's missed most of this year, as as, as you've said. So he looks like he's still got a, a lot of miles on those on those legs. Reminds me more and more of 2010 when James Starks came to the fore at the end of that season and the Packers suddenly found a running game that they'd been lacking for most of 2010. They suddenly found it in the last few weeks of that 2010 season and into the playoffs, and it made a huge difference. And Romeo Dobbs might have had his best game as a professional in maybe in the biggest moment of his career. Now, I know that those were Jordan Love-produced plays, but you got to make those plays if you're Romeo Dobbs. I thought he was spectacular in this game. I mean, Jaden Reed is my guy, so maybe I've been a little bit negative about Romeo Dobbs, but... He was unbelievable in this game. Six catches, 151 yards, and a touchdown. Those are the numbers that I thought CeeDee Lamb was going to put up in this game and ended up being Romeo Dobbs was the best wide receiver on the field. Anything else good before we move on to the bad, if there is any offensively? Well, you had in the notes of the stuff about Christian Watson. I don't think he was ever a part of the game plan. I think he was out there to block. Or out there to be a decoy, maybe. Sure, yeah. Decoy, block, like all all those things. But I don't think he was ever, I think he was targeted once and had like, yeah, I think he had one catch, right? Yeah. But he wasn't, it it was good to see him back. But I don't, I think he was, they were just like, yeah, dude, you're, you're clear to block. We're going to use you like that as a decoy, but you're not, we're not going to risk it. So we follow his dad, also played in the NFL and has been very vocal about things Christian Watson because it's his son. There is a play and he screenshotted this play. Christian Watson is valuable sometimes because he is a absolute deep threat, right? We know that he can go deep on anybody in the league. There's a play where there are three Cowboys following Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs is running into the abyss. Like there isn't yeah. a cowboy defender within ten yards of him, yep. and it was one of Dobbs' big catches. They did that play to Dobbs twice, but they reversed it. Oh, well, let's move on to the bad. So, Todd, you must put this. Did you put this in the bad? 
<laughs> you can always find a negative in the yes. 48 points. All right, go you ahead. Tell me the dark cloud. The the game management. Did you well, you left and went to the Bucks game. Yes. So you didn't fucking see the game management. <laughs> I didn't. So that. please inform me of the game management. Oh, I also should have put there um also bad a, another really stupid challenge by LaFleur. Yeah. Hire me. I'm a fucking idiot. But I can tell you this, you put me in the fucking booth with a headset on the same channel as LaFleur, or he can just buzz me when he's fucking ready and throws the red flag, and I have a video feed, I can do a way fucking better job either than you or whoever the fuck you have hired. So hire me. But like most of those, this was another one. Sometimes you have to see the replay from a bunch of different angles, a number of different times. Some of the angles show something, so then you have to watch that angle several different times. A lot of his, including this one in particular, you don't have to watch it at all, ever again. It's so fucking clear cut. That's what's frustrating to me about that. They are just cut and dry one time. Yep, that's not, that's a catch. Easy. I don't understand that. But the poor management at the end of the game was... I felt it was another issue. And you, Peter, I'm sure you watched the end of it too. So I don't want you, you comment on that as well. It was something new for, for him as a coach to experience, right? A blowout. How do you manage a fucking blowout? So I think it was the Packers went on offense with about 5.35 left in the game is, le- is in my head. So about five and a half minutes left in the game. And that's when they pulled Love and put Sean Clifford in and they pulled some of the other starters. That to me at the time felt like a serious too early. Cowboys later on scored very quickly, got the ball back again, scored very quickly. And the telling sign was that is how often do you see the starting quarterback pulled out and then have to be put back in? Do you never see that happen? And that happened in this game. 110% agree with you want to get those guys out of there as soon as it's possible to do that. You've got another game coming up next week. You don't want to risk Aaron Jones getting hurt, Jordan Love. Absolutely. It's just that it got a little bit tighter than it should have done. Uh, you know, and in the NFL, 16 points, it sounds like a lot, but it's two scores. As we know from the Seattle playoff game all those years ago, one score can very quickly become two scores. You know, you give them a chance to score one and they can, an onside kick, and, and boy, they nearly recovered an onside kick as well. I think Todd's oh, I forgot about that. I think Todd's absolutely right in terms of this is a situation that we haven't seen the Packers in for quite some time. And so, therefore, it's a learning experience, and they'll be they'll be absolutely better for it towards the end of another game in that in that situation. All right, let's move on to the defense. Top PFF grades: Darnell Savage had an elite PFF grade. You're fired, <laughs> Darnell Savage. Wow, Jair Alexander, eighty-two point eight. Keyshawn Nixon, seventy-one point zero. Anthony Johnson Jr., 64.3, and Robert Rochelle, who had five snaps, and Devondre Campbell both had 64.1. On the negative side, Zane Anderson got smoked on a play at the end of the game. It was probably one of the three plays he was in. Oh, that's the dude I didn't know that was back there. Yeah. Zane. Eric Wilson, 34.3. J.J. Anikbari, who, again, was hurt, 47.7. Preston Smith had a a poor game for his standards, 48.8. And TJ Slayton only had a 49.2 PFF grade. Let's talk good first. Darnell Savage, who I said would never make a play on the football in his entire career. That was the backbreaker right there for the Dallas Cowboys. That game was over 
on that pick six. I beat up on Darnell Savage a lot, and I will continue to do so when he fucks up next week, which he will do for sure. But on that play, that was a huge play. Caught that thing. I saw that he reached almost 21 miles an hour. That's you, Darnell Savage. You are a physical freak, and that was a great play, and I love you for it in this moment. And that will end. And we will not see you next year. And we will not see you again in a Packer uniform. What else was good, Todd? Yeah, Jair had a great game. I mean, for for coming back off of injury and then re-aggravating his ankle and stuff. That pick was really nice. Top notch. That that's I mean, he had super tight coverage on him. And to to snag that ball, like he was on the back of that receiver. I mean, that's about as a difficult of an interception as there is. He he wasn't in front. He did, the ball wasn't tipped. It wasn't like thrown right at him. I mean, it, that was about as difficult of an interception as you're going to have as as a corner in the NFL. And what else, Peter? I think that the the Savage and the Alexander picks both came at crucial times of the game. Like you say, the Savage pick six was kind of the the real backbreaker, if you like. But the Alexander interception on in a tight game, I think it was still seven or nothing at that point, was a huge, huge play in this game to steal a possession. And I think the main thing that came across was that the defense and the offense played complementary football. That's kind of a trope term, but it, it really was the case this week that the defense played strong early and the offense took advantage of it. And the offense took advantage of it and kept the defense off the field. Defense came back on the field, made another stop. It was it was very complimentary. My guy Zero Fox just played himself into another contract. He was on a one-year deal, a prove-it deal. He has proven that he can play in this league. The Packers are, I think he's got like a $4 million contract this year. He is about to double his salary for next year. If it's not with the Packers, it's with somebody. Because he is a weapon on special teams, and he's become a better-than-average slot guy. He was part of the reason CeeDee Lamb didn't do jack until garbage time. Yes, he had that penalty. If it stopped them from scoring on that play... yeah. Whatever. I mean. Did you have to hold him? I don't know. But didn't it look like CeeDee Lamb tried to throw him down and like pull him into that penalty also? Maybe it's just me. But Nixon initiated. I'm not saying it wasn't a penalty. They're going to penalize the guy who initiates. I'm not disputing the penalty. I just felt like CeeDee Lamb like helped them make that call. Yeah. With putting his arm around him trying to throw him down. What's that? He's a drama queen too. He was pretty stoic, though. I wonder what McCarthy was saying to him. Well, it's just interesting because that conversation they showed on the sideline happened after the Cowboys' first series. Nice to know what was going going on there after one after what just a single series. Well, Prescott and him were way off. They were on two separate game plans. I, you guys weren't in the film room together this week, were you? Awesome. <laughs> Try to figure it out now, motherfucker. Yeah. We're up twenty-seven, nothing. I, you know, I'm, I'm not a Joe Barry fan. Still think he should be fired. I will not put the Joe Barry should be fired intro into this podcast, though. When he, when he, I thought he called a good game, and I thought on fourth and five, when he brought pressure up the middle, I thought, wow, this is Joe Barry figuring some stuff out. Whether it, he lucked into it or the call was just perfect at that time, I thought that that call on fourth and five was excellent. Bringing in inside pressure was excellent on that play. It caused a disruption. Dak just had to throw a punt out there. Game over. What about the bad? Do we have bad when most of the stuff that the Packers gave up was all garbage time? We're already up 41-16. 
do we care that Dak had 400 yards on 60 attempts? 60? <laughs> or do we not? Peter, what do you think? We mostly don't care, but, but it got a little bit tighter at the end than it should have done. And those of us with a, like I say, those of us with a, with a memory, but just thinking, just be careful here. You just got to be careful here. This isn't quite as sorted away as it could be. This is an explosive offense that can score very, very quickly. And they did. Yeah, I don't think we're that bothered about the numbers. You know, they ended up giving up 510 yards, but most of that was, you know, late in the fourth quarter or in the fourth quarter itself. So I don't think the numbers so much matter. You just hope that this this is a learning experience that if you get in this situation again next week, you know, that would be hopeful. But when you're ahead late in the game, just a touch more cautious about the other team's ability to come back. Let's move on to the ugly Todd, I know this is you that put this in the nose. So go ahead. Yes. Rashawn Gary. He hasn't re-aggravated anything all year, to my knowledge. Pretty much seemed healthy the whole year. So I, I know they kind of slow rolled him into the first four or five games before he was getting like his normal uh, snap count. His production is just, he frustrates the living shit out of me. To come up in this game and have one tackle, six games in a row without a sack, he's had a half of a sack since Thanksgiving. So that's seven weeks. This is like a guy you just signed a long-term deal to. He had two games this year where he had three sacks. I mean, that's six, right? And maybe of he was the going nine total, some. yeah. Love the guy. Love the player, the physicality, the the human being. The, like he's a great teammate and like very passionate and like all those things. The production just isn't there for me. It's interesting that his sack production has dropped when the Packers have probably played the best three defensive games of the season, pretty much the last three games of the year. And it makes you wonder whether he's being asked to be more disciplined in the way he's rushing the passer. And it's a question. I don't, I don't know that to be the case, but it does make me wonder. The second point is I wonder whether Todd is to blame for this because years ago, Todd set this 10 sack ceiling for Rashan Gary. And, and every year Gary gets right to the verge of that 10 sack ceiling. The NFL and, and, even gave him an extra fucking game. I mean, I'm looking at Todd. Todd may well be to blame here. We're moving on <laughs> to the special teams. Daniel Whelan, first Irish-born player to play in the playoffs in like, I don't know, 30 years or something. I saw. Really played well. Punted the ball well inside. Very exciting. Putting the ball inside the 10 is gigantic, right? Especially for the Packers who bend and don't break. That's their whole like philosophy. Giving the t- other team a long field is good for our defense. So Daniel I think I Willing texted you. I, I, I think I texted you. Great punt. I think it was his first one or something. I was like, mm-hmm. damn. And on the bad side, the fucking Swedish meatball. Oh, my God. He has missed kicks in 10 of the last 13 games. <laughs> Congratulations, Carlson. You've made Todd's all-time shit list. He is now the kicker. I didn't realize it was 10. Say that again. Say he has missed again. kicks. Extra points or field goals in 10 of the last 13 games. Your TV feed is is about five seconds faster. So I usually pause before I look when my phone goes off from you <laughs> texting. And I didn't look away. And you said something like, and there we go, or something like that. And I was like, and right, right as he was about to kick it, I was like, he's going to fucking mess. And sure as shit, he did. I was like, God damn it. I don't care that from an organizational standpoint that you, you know, use a draft pick to like get this guy or whatever. And you want to kind of like hold on to that or what 
there is no question from an organization standpoint, the front office, Guten Kraus, whoever, this guy is fucking gone at the end of the year. There is no question. He should never be in an, a Packer uniform ever again. He should clean his shit out at the end of this year. No, no, I was just going to ask, ask Todd how he really felt about it. He, he can't even get insane. his fucking kickoffs to the end line indoors. Like he has this like really weird fucking on kickoffs. Like he tries to get in the middle and like try to break up fights when guys are kind of going at it. Have you ever seen that? No. I've seen that. I've seen him do that like three, four different times. I'm like, dude, get the fuck out of that. Like you have no business being in there. He's trying to show what some value. Right. Peacekeeper. It's not place kicker. It's peace. Like you're some type of fucking tough guy. You can't even kick a 23 yarder motherfucker. The Cowboys had returned 14 kicks and punts total before this game. They don't want to return the kicks. Five kickoffs the entire season from Turpin. Gone. What scares me the most, and I know we're going to get into this in the next episode, but man... This upcoming game against the 49ers, I have a feeling it could be close. And that is Carlson scares me because there is no way we can like there's no dependency on that where you're like, uh, you know, like we got to take points where we can. This is like a 53 yarder. Are you going to send him out there for a 53 yarder early in the game or whatever? We're trying to stack points on the Niners. Probably not. I'm sending out Whalen. Send out the punter to kick it. Can he drop kick? No, no, no. I'm I'm sending him drop kick it in the NFL. I'm sending him out to fucking punt. Forget the points. We're just going to yeah. work on the field position. Yes. The Packers win and Carlson misses an extra point. It goes under the rug. Nobody even thinks about it anymore. We but did. this is out of fucking control. What is it like? Five or six extra points now is he up to? I think that's six. Yeah. Six and, f- and four field goals or four or five field goals? Come on. We're just going to punt them. We're not going to. We're like going to go in- for two. If Every it's a 23-yard field goal, we're punting. Wheeler just punts it out of the stadium instead of we I go. Think, <laughs> I, think, I think Todd's thinking we're in the CFL now because you get a point for that in the CFL if you kick through the end zone, you know. You get a single. Yeah. There we go. So we have a new segment, and it's called the Sausage PTSD Moment of the Game. It was not a play that it wasn't the Carlson extra point miss, although I did get off the couch and yell at the TV. It was on the Quay Walker horse collar that wasn't play. I know. Holy shit, was I angry. The poor dog was like, he couldn't get off the couch fast enough. It's a good thing we have carpet because he would have jumped off the couch and like skidded across the room. He was so like ready to get out of there. Is that reviewable? Todd was talking about it before, how LaFleur can look at a replay, should be able to look at a replay one time or look at one and say, no, we're not going to review that. I was watching that game in live. I'm like, that's not a horse collar. Just swearing to no to no end. That was fucking awful. That was a terrible call. But you said they can't review that kind of stuff. Uh, I mean, it's similar to holding or pass interference. It's a a judgment call, and okay. and therefore, you know, it's not it's not on the list of things to be reviewed. I would have thrown the red flag for that if it was reviewable. Because I would have thrown no- it from the booth. Now, Quay Walker has cleaned up his act this year. Yeah, That's evident, right, from years past. I wonder if his a little bit of his history played into that penalty. I just realized this, Todd. Here's what you can do. So if the Packers were to hire you for the red flag thing, you could get one of those T-shirt launcher things 
from the booth and just fire that fucker at the stand, at the field. Oh yeah, like boom. And he My wouldn't own even red flag. Right, and Lafleur wouldn't even get a red flag. It would just be you, and you would just yes. aim it at the official. Pow. And hopefully get it down there. Like you'd have to gauge that, and you'd have to. I mean, you're a good shot. So I'm you, pretty sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. If we ever play the Chiefs, I can like launch it into fucking Taylor Swift's window of her suite and <laughs> gently, yeah, gently. No threat intended. <laughs> okay, so thanks for listening to episode 159 of the Average Cheese Podcast. Go pack go. Go pack go. Pack go.